Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know Him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who He's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. Today, we're going to really focus on our relationship with God, right? And how that affects us internally through this whole idea of condemnation. Condemnation is a very dark word in a sense. When you think about that word, you think about hopelessness, you think about despair, you think about the legal system, right? So when someone is condemned, that means the decision has been made. A lot of times condemnation has a negative connotation, right? You did this, now this is your sentence, now you just got to deal with serving it, right? And how this plays in our relationship with God is because God is holy, because God is the ultimate good and the ultimate justice, A lot of times we try to measure our goodness against God's goodness. And a lot of times religion, a lot of times church, a lot of times the rules that we put up to kind of measure up to the standard that we feel God is expecting from us causes a conflict within us. It causes us to try to, in our own energy, in our own strength, ascertain a level of righteousness that we're not equipped to have. The Bible levels the playing field when it comes to our humanity. And I think at the heart of it, this needs to be something that we accept fully, right? That we are dust, that we are human, that we are sinful. We must admit and confess that in order for us to experience the liberty and grace that God has given us. The standard of God was always too high for us to reach. Okay. It was always too high. You can have the best day that you can be the most humanitarian, have the biggest humanitarian spirit. You can feed the poor. You can do all this other stuff. But God is looking at your heart. And a lot of times you can do those things with the mo- with a prideful motive. Right. Mm-hmm. So all the good that you're doing to God just looks like you're just trying to make a reputation for yourself. Right. So you're not really doing it for the purpose of the poor. You just want to look good in the world. Right. So there's a standard of holiness and righteousness and goodness that we have that God is superior to all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And even in your relationship with God, you are going to fall. You are going to mess up. Okay. Even in your relationship with God, even walking with the Lord, you are still a human being and you're still going to fall into some things or else the Bible wouldn't say a righteous man falls seven times in one day, but he gets back up. See, the righteousness, what makes you righteous is your ability to get back up, right? The Bible is is replete with characters who have fallen, who have messed up, who did all kinds of crazy stuff, but they got back up. And it's the getting back up and the strength of Christ. Right. That's what makes you righteous. Right. That's what I was going to say, because you're not you're not getting up because you just want to get up because, oh, I want to be seen again. No, you're getting up because. You're, you have faith in Christ and right. the finished work of Christ allows right. you to get up. Right. And then not just getting up. Like I, I, when, when we say get up, I th- often think about a boxer, right? 
who gets knocked down. Right now, those of you who watch boxing, or who, who, who can understand the whole thing is a lot of times you see them jumping around and dancing, looking like they're not tired. Right. Mm-hmm. See, see, there's, there's different kinds of getting up. There's getting up like I'm getting up, but I don't really want to keep fighting. So I'm just standing up to keep my pride intact like you didn't knock me out. And then there's getting up like I'm in pain. I'm dizzy, but I'm not going to let you see this. So you, you, you're pulling from another reservoir of strength to get up to finish the fight. That's the getting up that we're talking about. The getting up out of your past, out of your mindset, out of, that, out of brushing off what actually knocked the wind out of you and not showing the enemy that you want to quit. And the only way you can do that is in the strength of Christ. The strength of God gives you the power to be able to get up in the way that we are talking about. So the reason why we're going all this is because in order to understand condemnation, we must we first must understand the context of the word. Right. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Seventeen. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. There's a mention of con- condemnation. Right. And then seven the 18th verse says. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. There's the word again. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So let's break down this word condemnation. Okay, condemnation in the biblical text is is usually seen in two different connotations. So in order for us to understand what condemnation means in the various texts, it's important for us to look at what that word means in that scripture. Okay. Upon searching that, you can see that there are two definitions of condemnation, both of which we're going to talk about, one of which we're constantly dealing with. So we must set the precedence for what this scripture means in order for us to understand how the condemnation we feel and the feeling of the penalty and the guilt and all the other stuff that we feel when we mess up, feel like God's going to judge us like we're going to hell. What context are we looking that in? So in John three sixteen. The context of that word condemn or condemnation is a Greek word, krino, K-R-I-N-O, krino. And basically what that means is to judge, to decide, or to bring to trial. So basically what John 3.16 is saying, for God did not send his son into the world to judge or to bring the world to trial, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not judged, is not brought to trial. But whoever does not believe is brought to trial already by their not believing. They are judged already by their not believing because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So everything hinges on your faith in Christ. And this is what we're trying to trying to get us to see here. The freedom we're talking about is not uh, something that you can do in your own willpower. It's not something that you can do in your own strength, because without Christ, the Bible says you are condemned already. You're already judged by God. But when you come into Christ, the whole slate is wiped clean. And now you have a legit fresh start to experience the freedom of Christ in your humanity. That's liberating right there. So the first condemnation is Krino, K-R-I-N-O, which means to judge, decide, to bring to trial. The scripture that we want to focus on today is actually written by our friend, Brother Paul, from last time. Brother Paul wrote this now, right? Brother Paul, who had to forgive himself, wrote this and he writes in Romans chapter eight, verse one. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation 
to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Okay. So that definition of condemnation in that text is a Greek word, katakrima, K-A-T-A-K-R-I-M-A, katakrima. And in this context, this means this is the feeling that is established after guilt. So basically, this is the, it refers to the bondage that follows the sentence. So it, it refers to the strings attached to whatever you did. It refers to the feeling of despair and depression and all those things that make you feel less than that's the condemnation that this speaks to. Now I found something in, in looking at this that was really crazy. And it's actually, if you look at the Greek word, you study it, the word also alludes to the idea of penal servitude, right? Mm-hmm. Penal servitude. Another way being in bondage, being in bondage to your offense, being in bondage to what you did, be, be, having this repetitive kind of thing going on in your heart and mind, reliving, rehashing the consequences of what you did. Now, this is why Paul says there is therefore now no condemnation, right? I think it's important for us to see how damaging condemnation can be to us. Mm -hmm. Many of us can relate to the fact that a lot of times I have looked at God as he's judging me and punishing me. And God is looking down on me. So how can I embrace a God? And how can I even picture a God that's loving? How can I even picture a God that smiles? How can I even picture a God that loves me and cares for me? Because he's always in a judging mood. Mm. That is the precedent for condemnation. And Paul of all people, which is why we started with him, Paul of all people should be walking in mad condemnation for everything that he did. He was basically persecuting and killing and co-signing on the deaths of Christians. And he had a reputation for it. It wasn't done in, in private. But yet God changes his life. He comes into a relationship with the Lord and now his whole life has changed. And he writes this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. There is no guilt attached. There are no strings attached to the freedom of Christ. Yes, I did what I did, but the strings have been cut and he's able to walk in that freedom. This is what we want to do. We want to be able to embrace that same level of confidence in God when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, as we reflect back on what he has delivered us from and even things that we're being delivered from now. We must understand that we are delivered and being delivered. Right. That's what this process is. This is a process of God converting you in motion that he's changing us as we walk with him. Right. So it's kind of counterproductive for us to assume perfection when God is perfecting us. Right. Like there's a patience that God wants us to and a grace that God wants us to walk with him by that. We trust that he's not intimidated by our struggles, that he is not out of touch with what we're wrestling with. And the fact that you are wrestling proves that you love him. And there's a level of humility in that and relinquishing yeah. control yeah. because it's, it's human nature to feel like we want to control our image, control mm-hmm. our life, control everything about us. So mm-hmm. when, when we come into a situation where now we're at the mercy of God and now we're, we're relinquishing all our control, our earthly human control over to him and saying, take over 
change me, make me new. Now you're at the mercy of the process, uh-huh. however long that takes. Yeah. Some things may fall off immediately. Yeah. Some things may take a few days, a few weeks, and some things may take a lifetime. That's right. And it's that control that you have to relinquish and saying, no matter how long it takes, as long as I'm spiritual minded and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm walking not after the flesh, but after the spirit, however long that process takes, it takes. Yeah. And we have to not try to out God, God, you know, like out holy God, like be more than what we are, because we feel like that's the standard that he's looking for us to reach. Right. You can't live this thing without him. So we might as well live it with him. And it's him working in us to do it. Right. So this whole idea of condemnation is basically penal servitude. Now, when you look at penal servitude, that is basically punishment of being sent to prison and forced to do hard physical work. So it's, it's, it's the punishment of hard physical labor. Right. So I, I want you to see the connection. So I, I was doing some research and I started looking like, OK, well, you know, penal servitude. I mean, that's not really popular right now. Like they're not sending people to an island to, to, to break rocks for 50 years. They're not sending people to, you know, different prisons and stuff and just having them do like hard labor as a part of that punishment. So thinking about the connotation of why Paul would use this term of there is now no penal servitude to them who are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, after the spirit, made me start to think about what condemnation really is when we're doing it inside. Mm. Right. And why he would say there is no condemnation. Right. The reason why there's no condemnation It's because the Lord said so, right? Walking after the spirit frees us from the law of sin and death, which means in the Old Testament, when you sin, you messed up, you got judged. That's that's God. Sin, judgment, sin, judgment, sin, judgment. But now when Christ came, Christ's sacrifice on the cross opens up this new revelation of God's grace. And that now the sins and all the things that we have struggled with. When we put our faith in Christ, all of the stuff that we wrestle with, all of our frailty, all of our weaknesses, all of the things that separate us from God are now under the power of Christ. So when we surrender our life to Christ, all those things become irrelevant. But what happens is condemnation Mm -hmm. decides to be a string that lingers. Right. So you may be free in Christ as far as I know I'm saved. I know I believe in Christ. But yet when you mess up, Christ's provision doesn't cut the string. So now you have this idea of penal servitude, which means you put yourself through hard labor because of what you feel like is a penalty for what you have done. Right. Because we we can't fathom or comprehend. And this this goes along the lines of last week when we talked about forgiveness. Mm -hmm. You know, this they kind of they go hand in hand because. Mm -hmm. You can't comprehend offenses being forgiven and slates wiped clean because we don't do that. Because we don't do that. Yeah. So there's no way on God's green earth that he would allow me to have sinned and done those things. Mm-hmm. And now he's forgiven me. And then that's just it. Right. And it's not. So you mean to tell me I don't have to do nothing? That's like d- doing a crime. The judge saying you're guilty. Yeah, you're guilty. But you're not going to get sentenced. And you walk out. On what planet? Right. 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 Definitely not this one. 
Right. So your mind can't comprehend. So that you have to be the judge in this situation. Nah, you're not being a good enough judge. Mm-hmm. I have to be condemned to some type of sentencing because mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense otherwise. So then we, 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 we sentence ourselves to hard labor. Right. So we sentence ourselves to uh, this this lifestyle that binds us up and always reminds us of what we've been free from. So from God's point of view, you've been set free. But from your point of view, you can't fathom that, like you said, babe. And now you are giving yourself a punishment for something that God has freed you from. Now, when you read Romans 7, which is the chapter before this this verse, this verse starts with therefore. So in order for us to go to the therefore, we got to understand first what happened. In Romans 7, Paul is very transparent. And I'm going to read this verse, this couple of verses to you. And then I'm going to give you an example of how the Lord actually deals with condemnation here. Um, okay. So this is Romans chapter seven, verses 15 through 25. And this is the easy to read Bible. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Romans seven fifteen through 25 and the easy to read says, I don't understand why I act the way I do. I don't do the good I want to do, and I do the evil I hate. And if I don't want to do what I do, that means I agree that the law is good. But I am not really the one doing the evil. It is sin living in me that does it. Yes, I know that nothing good lives in me. I mean, nothing good lives in the part of me that is not spiritual. Mm. I want to do what is good, but I don't do it. I don't do the good that I want to do. I do the evil that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So if I do what I don't want to do, then I am not really the one doing it. It is the sin living in me that does it. So I have learned this rule. When I want to do good, evil is there with me. In my mind, I am happy with God's law. But I see another law working in my body. That law makes war against the law that my mind accepts. That other law working in my body is the law of sin, and that law makes me its prisoner. Mm. What a miserable person I am. Who will save me from this body that brings me death? I thank God for his salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So in my mind, I am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful self, I am a slave to this law of sin. Okay. So once again, this is Paul, right? And Paul is really cutting to the chase here as far as what we all deal with inside. Almost like you got the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other, right? Whenever you want to make a good decision, here comes this other advice. Uh, well, you know, if you did that, then what if they don't thank you? Whatever it is, right? Or, you, or, or you're like, I, I, I sh- I, you know what? I shouldn't, I shouldn't go to this party or I shouldn't be watching this or I shouldn't be doing this. But you know what, man? I, nobody, ta- nobody cares about me. I'm feeling, I just want this feeling to go away. I just want to feel better. I just, what, whatever we're struggling with, whatever it is, whatever we're wrestling it with right now, it is common. And Paul himself is writing almost like a bipolar person. He's saying... Man, listen, I want to do good, but I don't do it. I'm trying to do the right thing, but I don't do it. It sounds to me like he's out of control. Oh, how can Paul be out of control? How can anybody be out of control? How can anybody that's saved be out of control? Not be able to harness their inner desires. Listen, the right circumstance hits your life, you out of control. The right issue, the right problem comes in your life, your humanity will kick in and you will become what you are. So we might as well stop trying to perform and trying to act like we're not human. That's what keeps us away from God. The Lord is aware 
of our humanity. He understands it. And when we ever, whenever we walk in pride and try to make ourselves like we more than we are, that's when God says, you know what? Fine, you do it. Then. Right. You do it. And here comes the penal servitude where we start doing it, but we start doing it in a way that's harmful to us. Last night when I was kind of looking and I was doing this research on penal servitude and and, and, uh, one of the things that they used to do to prisoners that was really um, interesting was they would have these prison treadmills. Right. And they would have these treadmills where they would have the prisoner walk on these treadmills and the treadmill would process water. They would mill grain. They would do all this stuff. So they're basically using them for, for labor. But it was one of the most intensely debilitating and abusive punishments because imagine they had them on these huge treadmills, walking them like stairs, six hours a day, nonstop. And they would have, this would be your year sentence. And so not only are you locked up in jail, but now you're doing this drudgery work over. And that, I thought that gave us a beautiful image, not, on, not only of us going to the gym and running on a treadmill, right? Because that, that was the patent, but that was based on a punishment. So we're punishing our bodies by doing a treadmill, which is good for us now. But back then, that wasn't even close to what it was. People were dying getting off of that thing. But it gives us a beautiful picture of what condemnation does to us. That if you're on a treadmill going nowhere and you're working, getting tired, and every time you take a step on that treadmill and realize you're not going nowhere, it reminds you of the guilt and the shame and all this other stuff that's separating you and reminding you of your punishment. That's what condemnation does. It reminds you of a punishment that is not being exacted. And not only that, but there's no progress. Yeah. Like there's not, you know, like now you get on a treadmill, there's an end goal or there's an end result, but there's no progress. You're just getting on the, the the concept of a treadmill is you just walking, Mm -hmm. but you're never actually gaining ground anywhere. Mm -hmm. So you're just expending all your energy with no progress. Yeah. That's insanity. Yeah. And then that's one of the things, that's why I said it was, it was such a horrible punishment that they had to outlaw it. Mm -hmm. They outlawed it. So the, the, the reason why is because, one, you, you, you're exerting energy that is ending up going nowhere. Right. Then you can't control when to get off because you're on there as a punishment. Then you can't control the speed because the speed is controlled by the forces that are controlling the treadmill. Now, you see that. Right. So how Paul has to say, listen, no, you confess and admitted what you did. You have confessed it. You're guilty. Boom. Now, it is not your job as the person that is getting sentenced to sentence yourself because it's the judge's job to look at the case and to exact his power over or her power over what the situation is. I want us to look at what Jesus's posture, who is God in the flesh, towards uh, when you get caught. You get caught in messing up. You get caught in adultery. You get caught in slipping up. You messed up. In the very act, you got caught. And you're brought to Jesus like this woman, thrown over here. And now the customary sentence here is stoning. The customary sentence here is death. The customary sentence here is guilt deserves punishment. So what the people do is they bring this woman to Jesus who now is seated as judge. See, they were going to be the judges, but now they transferred this case over to a different judge. And this judge is God in the flesh. And when they come and present this case, listen, the law of Moses says that this woman needs to be condemned. She needs condemned to death. You need to stone her. 
What are you going to say about this, Jesus? Jesus says nothing. And I want you to see a trend here, right? When Paul was persecuting the Christians, when Peter denied Jesus, the confrontation between them two is Jesus never required those men to start listing what they did because their guilt was obvious before God. We must first understand that when God comes to us, our guilt is obvious. Now, what we do to make ourselves feel better is a lot of times we start listing out what we did. And what that does is that tempts us to start enacting punishments for each one of those things that we've done. And that, that's how condemnation starts to work inside of us and seeds of condemnation start to come because then we start questioning God's decision. Okay, God, you chose me. God, you did this. But how are people going to listen to me when the very people that I was killing are the ones that they're, they're your people? And then, and then now they're not receiving me. So how can, I, how can this be what you really want me to do? How can you really see me in this way? I'm worthless. I'm a murderer. I'm this. And here comes the list of things that we put in our spirit to get on that treadmill and start milling out all these things to keep us feeling like we're doing something like, oh, I'm worshiping God inside because I'm humbling myself right. to the sentence that is not there. Right. And that, that's what I was going to say before that condemna condemnation is almost insatiable. Yeah. Like it's never ending and it's never satisfied right. because there's always something else that's yes. going to be attached to the, the last bit of condemnation. So then it's like a snowball that turns into an avalanche yeah. that buries you. And all of us who have wrestled with, with condemnation, both hands raised, both all of us who can relate to the fact that, man, I'm not good enough. I'm never going to be good enough. I messed up again. What wretched man I am, like Paul said. I'm trying to do good, but my, mom, my heart is, is, is bad. And I'm trying to think the right thoughts, but I'm prideful. And I'm trying to be grateful, but I'm really being selfish. And all these things that are happening that are seemingly beyond our control, now we're giving ourselves the power to judge ourselves rather than accepting the fact that, like Paul said, there's no condemnation to them who are in Christ. How? Because I'm walking after the Spirit. So this is what happens to this woman. This woman, Jesus don't say nothing to these men's accusations. He writes on the ground. He writes on the ground and there's speculation about what he's writing. You know, maybe he's writing and reminding everybody of the law that was written with God's finger and that all of us are sinners and all of us have a standard to live by. And ain't none of us living it, which is why the, the older people who've been on the earth longer. Who have had experiences with themselves longer, who have seen God's grace longer, who have dealt with issues longer, are the first ones to say, I dare not throw this stone. Because I'm not perfect either. She got caught in adultery. I got away with it. Or whatever you got away with it was. So Jesus basically levels the playing field and says, I am not going to condemn you. Now, this is what happens. He asks the woman, where are those that condemn you? And now she has to do the work of looking at the irrelevance of the condemnation that comes from other people. She has to look up. At the people who were judging her, the people who were saying things and, and, and basically bringing her before God. Ooh, God, look at her. Look what she did. Oh, which is causing her to look at herself. How embarrassing was this for this woman? Right. And, and also challenging Jesus. Yeah. Are you who you say? Can you can you remove her sins from her? Yeah. Look, what, that, look what she did. It's crazy. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. Not just, you know, like 
telling on her right. to expose her, but also to try and expose Jesus. And it just speaks to the immense power, both uh, the power of Jesus, but also our need for him and yes. how the two collide here. This is a prime example of salvation. Yeah. And the fact that this woman is completely helpless, like she, she's so guilty that she can't say nothing. Right. And it, it's, it's that posture of our helplessness that makes Jesus so powerful in this story. Because Jesus doesn't even have to say a lot. He just says, all of y'all who ain't never done nothing, you throw the first one. And then he just lets it sit. The woman didn't argue. She didn't have to defend herself. She humbled herself under the authority of Christ in this situation. Her posture confirms her guilt. Jesus says, where are your accusers? Where are these people that condemn you? Do you see them? She looks up. I don't see them. Well, he says, well, neither do I. And now that, 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 that's powerful. And I think this really summarizes the Romans 8 and 1, that there is therefore now no condemnation. So there was guilt, but no sentence. The sentence was, go, sin no more. It, it was two. Go, don't get stuck here, and then change your lifestyle. Right. That's the sentence. It ain't. Get on that treadmill and start condemning yourself. Why did you sleep with him? Why, why did you set this up? Y'all know you're not right. You know he got a husband. You know you got somebody. You're not going through all that. It's, the command is no condemnation. Go, sin no more. And you see that trend in what we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Peter, you love me? Okay. Feed my sheep. The, the only prerequisite is to be in Christ Jesus. That's that's who this is for, to those that are in Christ Jesus. So Mm -hmm. if you're in Christ Jesus, you're safe. If you're not, get on in. Come on in. See, and this is this is this is why the Lord wants his people to live on another level of living. Right. Where your humanity doesn't keep you from God. Your humanity draws you closer to God. Mm -hmm. Your mistakes don't make you run from God. They make you run to God. Jesus and that one line made all the accusers go away. Meanwhile, if we were trying to defend ourselves, I mean, she probably is still talking to this day, trying to defend the fact that she got caught and had nobody, just none of your business. Y'all need to be minding your business because y'all was looking anyway. Right. You should, what do you, how did you, you catch me? That means you were looking. That means you were looking for stuff, not minding your own business. <laughs> That's basically what it is. So that surely there's something, guys, something you can do something about that. None of that stuff happened. She, I'm guilty before God. I'm going to allow him to make whatever sentence it is, and I'm going to trust that. This is liberating. And those who live in a life with Christ, this is how Christ wants us to walk. The requirement is to go and sin no more. So there is a standard where God's forgiveness and God's posture towards sin and posture towards lifestyles that are not pleasing to him. If you really love him, you won't want to do it. You will wrestle like in Romans 7. I want to do good, but there's a part of me that's sinful that I'm wrestling with. But although I'm wrestling with that sinful part, I'm not getting on that treadmill because there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. First John 3, 19 to 22. This is talking about where condemnation lies. And a lot of times it's our hearts that condemn us. It's that inner dialogue. 
that happens that sometimes supersedes God's voice. So when God blesses you and, and you know you don't deserve it, it's hard to receive things that you know you haven't earned and you haven't deserved. So that's what God's grace does. God's provisions do that to us. These are things that God is doing without any strings attached. Right. Even if you're not in him and with him, you're still getting woken up. He's allowing you to get to your job safe. You, you, you're living lives that are contrary to God and he's still allowing you to live a life that's blessed by him to a certain degree. The Bible says he reigns on the just and unjust. So 1 John 3, 19 through 22 says, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. So how do you, when God, when the presence of God comes and shines his light on your guilt and shines his light on the fact that, yeah, you messed up, you messed up. How do you know that you are still in the truth? Meaning, how do you know that even in the times that you mess up, that you are still in standing in right standing with God? If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. You and I cannot make what we feel in our hearts about our own situation more resounding than what God's word says. Freedom is not a feeling, it's a choice. Mm -hmm. Freedom is not a feeling, it's a choice. So I'm choosing to understand what the Bible says, that God is greater than the heart that condemns me and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him everything we ask because we keep his commands and do what he pleases. So this is what it is, right? Your confidence in God and in your relationship with God comes from the fact that your posture is towards pleasing God, even if you mess up. Right. It's that getting back up thing that we're talking about, not getting back up so I can prove religiously that I'm up, but getting back up to move forward. Getting back up to walk with God. Yeah, go ahead. And I was just going to say the image came to me of like a little a baby just learning to walk, right? And the, the, the focal point is usually the parent, the father or the mother that's standing there at the end of the walk, you know, to, to catch them and be like, this is, this is I'm, I'm the finish line. I'm the focal point. Just mm -hmm. come to me. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're practicing, but they're still unsure of their leg strength and they're walking and stumbling. Uh -huh. And then a few minutes later, they may fall right back down. And, but eventually they find a way to get to the focal point or the end result, which is their parent. Mm -hmm. And that's really what, you know, mm -hmm. if we're spiritually minded, our focal point is God. Yeah. Period. Like we're just, however we get to him, we fall down, we fumble, we may crawl a little bit, we may get up and get our stand and our bearings a little better mm -hmm. and start walking again. But at the end of the day, our walking and our striving, if we're spiritually minded and we're in Christ Jesus, is just getting to God. That's it. And this speaks to the whole thing of when you condemn, you don't feel like you can pray because you don't feel like God's going to hear you. Right. You don't go to church because you feel like you're too off. And if you go to church, you don't want to function. You don't want to, you know, uh, uh, do what God called you to do because you messed up. And that's condemnation. That's what we do. Yeah. So this text is saying, whenever you fall, a righteous man falls seven times and gets back up. So if your heart condemns you still, after you got back up, you understand that God is greater than your heart. Right. So now when your heart doesn't condemn you, meaning you have checked your heart and told your heart, no, God is greater than you. I'm not getting on this treadmill with you. I'm not doing this. Then the Bible tells us we have confidence before God 
and receive what we ask of him. Because why? We keep his commands and we do what pleases him. I pray that we can overcome this mentality of self-punishment and truly embrace the freedom that Christ has given us through his sacrifice and really see the fact that when you're in Christ, there is no condemnation. Last scripture is Romans 8 and 5. People who live following their sinful selves think only about what they want. But those who live following the spirit are thinking about what the spirit wants them to do. This is the heart of what empowers us to overcome condemnation. The fact that we're not living following our sinful selves, but also understanding that sin is a part of humanity and that you are going to fall into things and have to wrestle with things that you're going to have to wrestle with. But understanding that those things, if you're walking after the spirit and you're getting up, Christ's righteousness is imputed upon us so that we walk in freedom. We thank you, Lord, that you are invested in this relationship that we have with you, that you are committed to our, our growth. You are committed to our maturity. You are convi- committed to our development. So today we bring ourselves to the altar. We bring ourselves to you when it comes to this whole idea of condemning ourselves, condemnation. Help us, Lord, to realize that there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, who do not desire to do their own thing, but are striving and reaching to please you. We realize that pleasing you is not a work of our own doing, but it's cooperative work with the Holy Spirit, that it is you in us and our allowing you to be God in our lives that will draw us closer into holy living. And like that woman who was caught in adultery, where you wiped the slate clean, help us to do what you commanded us to do. And that is first to go and then to sin no more. Lord, I pray for those who have not accepted you into their heart so that they experience this freedom and this conversion and this lifestyle that we are talking about. We pray, Lord, that they would receive you. Let them know that if they confess with their mouth, the Lord Jesus, believe in their heart that you are risen from the dead, that they will be saved. It's just that easy. They will make you Lord of their lives and decide from this day forward that they want to live this life of freedom with you. Lord, this is our prayer. We hope you've been blessed by what we share. You can follow us at Sunday Devotionals on Instagram and like us on Facebook, where we can continue our discussions and keep in touch. We love you all and pray God continues to bless and keep you.